った Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Paul, Andrew, early morning, buddy. Here That's we it, go, man. Yeah, this is it. This is our first AM intro ever. Normally, we're buried in the the basement <laughs> yeah, at freaking 10 o'clock at night. So look at us, man. I'm, I'm bright-eyed, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to ready to rage, man. You look good, so, Paul. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Go, go so, wild shirt on, turkey season hat. You're all you're Oh, ready. man. Ready. I am ready. Well, I had an eventful night last night. I, I texted you at like freaking eleven forty-five last night. We're gonna we're gonna dive we're gonna dive right into the ads, uh, because this is this is this is like an awesome intro ad for for Blackgate hunting products. Blackgatehunting.com, dude. That thing, that camera. I've got I've got it out in in deep deep in the woods uh, in southern Ohio. Uh, dude, I got. Two little butt, not not little. I mean, These are good deer getting all over each other. And I sent you this. I'm like, dude, look at this right in front of my trail camera, just beating the crap out of each other. So we're gonna put a picture. I'm gonna try to put them together for a uh, Instagram and a go wild video. So so check that out. Use the code O2 Podcast uh, Blackgate Hunting Cameras. The the quality on these is wild. And then they've got their new herd watch program. Have you messed around with that? Uh, a little bit, a little bit, and and it's very beneficial uh, from what I can see. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. For for those of you that are running multiple cameras, this is something that uh, that you're really going to like. So check out their website, blackgatehunting.com. Use code O2podcast. Uh, we see there's a lot of listeners buying those cameras. So thanks to thanks you guys for supporting a good old Ohio company. So, And you know what's nice? You talk about people buying them. Um, it's not just you and me talking. When they get them, they're like, dude, these pictures are legit. These are yeah incredible so yes yeah it's no it's that's 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 the best ad right there like it's i mean it's it's it, it really is amazing so the other thing that i just pot when and this is i like when when our worlds collide right our friends collide time to go wild and timber ninja so jason red awesome timber ninja pumping stuff up if, you, if you're buying something off of their website it's oh it's Ohio. Ohio is the code. Free shipping on all your orders. Um, months they were out of the C1, the carbon sticks. I needed them. I wanted them. So I had to go to go wild. They have them in stock right now. So check out time to go wild for all of your Timber Ninja products. Uh, man, what else they got? Freaking everything. That's what else? Afrak. 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 Uh, and I'll tell you what, I uh, I picked up one of those meat lugs the other day. So I'm pretty stoked. I, I, Lugs. We'll get into this. I, I can now confirm to you that you can fit deboned deer in there. And then for me, it was more yeah. than one. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah, on the on the board. So uh midwestgunworks.com. Uh rifle season, gun season coming up, rabbit season, small games coming up. You got to get uh get your shotguns ready. Uh for for the seasons here. Check them out. The the parts finder is amazing. Ton of selection on new firearms. They have a a you can mail in your firearm for gunsmithing work. Check them out. Midwestgunworks.com. Ohio Outdoors 5. Save yourself 5% on any of your purchases. What else, Andrew? For, for you, Paul. Um, you're the X-Vision, right? We've no, got Um, And I'm telling you, seeing the crop starting to either 
be close or coming off means those fields are going to open up which means it's going to be able to like get out and call the coyotes so i know it's deer season and it's going to be the best part of the deer season is upon <laughs> us very soon but i am also looking forward to that and i've got a suppressor that i fingers crossed will be available soon that was and- an ordeal getting that thing in it's been months in the making yes yes so and we have one more paul we have one more so uh we talked to these guys a little bit ago but in ohio if you got private land you we are allowed to bait right so uh and we after we talked to mike tonkovich we need to take deer out of this out of this uh ecosystem uh specifically does but we're gonna work a little bit here with this company called deer nuts so we are talking, i love that name man right it's like like beer nuts except deer yeah. nuts deer go nuts over it but this is uh a, a revolutionary uh nugget type of product attractant natural su- or nutritional supplement it's got the acorn flavor so it's very enticing tasty irresistible to the deer pack with protein uh all kinds of good stuff uh, i'm waiting for a bag to show up at my house and, and give it a whirl um but man we'll be able to throw some of that out with a black gate camera and show you how it's all done um but deer nuts check them out let's see what the website kent nutrition group um the people making it so deer nuts they put a lot of effort into this they said they've, they've it sounds like they've come up with a really neat product so it's I'm excited great. for you to see it, how it works. Absolutely. So we'll, uh, and it goes through uh, gravity and trough feeders, perfectly sized for tossing on the ground. Good stuff. We'll get you more uh, information as time goes on, but check them out. Deer nuts. And uh, yeah, sounds good, man. Uh, where are we at with uh, news from around the state? Well, Andrew Bunce killed a couple deer over the weekend. Good for you. Uh, we don't want that to make news. Back, back on the, back on the Sano couple does yeah ladies wait that in a second hang on uh i'm giving you time i'm filling dead air 6 a.m man uh i don't know i got i got nothing on the news front i I put absolutely no effort in uh into that so conkles hollow to hold annual fall foliage open house this will be october 14th and 15th from 10 to 4 so I know we get into hunting and, and a lot on here, but there are people who listen who might not be super avid hunters, or if you're just not ready to get in the woods, because I don't know, it's the quote unquote October lull. Um, there are other things to do in Ohio. And I don't, have you noticed that the leaves are turning quick this year? Is it drought related? Is that what I, it is? I, is it heat stress and drought? And okay. I think so. Um, because think the, the, the trees in my neighborhood, in central Ohio. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's wild, man. Just the last couple of days. And I mean, I feel like we're almost to the peak. Yeah. Which is I don't, way earlier than it normally is. I feel like normally it is the like third week of October, but man, stuff's changing. And you know, and the trees just shut shutting down when they don't get water for extended periods of time. So um, that's gotta be a major component of it, but regardless, get out there and see, Check those the leaves out. Maybe just go with the family, whatever. For yeah. check some stuff so, out. So a little, a little national news. Um, we're going. We're going to take a, take a trip east to uh, to Washington D.C. Here, Andrew. Uh, the House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed the Protecting Hunting Heritage and Education Act. If you remember, 
a couple of weeks ago, there was some funding that was pulled for shooting sports in schools and, and funding those programs across the country. So uh, it, it passed with a 424 to one. So I'd like to find out who that one was uh, vote on Tuesday, uh, September 26th. So, so last week, um, it's good to it's good to see that, that the president is expected to sign that bill uh, in, into law. But that will that will uh, amend uh, some some earlier legislation uh, to clarify the pro- prohibition of use of federal education funds for for weapons training is how they listed it. And that's the, so the, that's where the funding was pulled from the archery uh, and shooting sports program. So that will be back in there. Archery hunting, other shooting sports uh, continue to be protected across this great country. So we've we've talked. You got you, you don't want the legislators getting involved, man, and in, in the stuff that we love. Keep it keep it out of there. So, so, but in this case, it was a good, a positive. I think we like to also highlight a lot of times is when our DNR officers do something great. <clears throat> so I got one here. The Mississippi Flyway Council has honored Brad Turner as the wild or waterfowl protection officer of the year. Um, they recently recognized Brad Turner as the waterfowl protection officer of the year. And he's been serving at Ohioans as a state wildlife officer since 2007. Let's see what county is that? It's said in here. That's pretty cool. I mean, because we're yeah. not known as a massive duck or waterfowl uh, state, but for the Mississippi Flyway guys to um, recognize that, that's awesome. Uh, Turner was assigned to Scioto County before being transferred to Provo County in 2010. You guys know how we love to butcher names from around the state, but Officer Turner of Rossburg graduated from Mississippi Valley High School in Dark County. Say it again. Yep. Come, come and, again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Missinagua. Sure. And 2003, yeah. he received his degree from Hawking College. So um, more information on a lot of these stories from ODNR at OD, OhioDNR.gov. If you want to check any of that. One other thing uh, that ODNR is accepting applications for geologic research grants. Um, some more information on the H2O Ohio, H2 Ohio wetland project happening up in northwest ohio so lots of stuff happening there okay paul what you got man let's recap let's start let's start with your your entry into the weekend man i i i I did get access to some private property here in lincoln county which is pretty cool went out there scouted a couple days before it was fun man nice i saw some deers Saw some deer. Um, it was just, it was, it was nice to, to get back up in the saddle and uh, I don't know, getting the, getting the kinks worked out. It was climbing the tree is getting easier and easier. I mean, this is my third year doing it. I mean, you'd think that I'd get used to it at some point, but yeah, it was good. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing of note uh, in my hunting over the weekend. I laid out, went out that once for probably five hours and yeah, you, you, you had the eventful week. And weekend, we're both drinking coffee. That was the weird pause there. Sorry, y'all. Yes, <laughs> and others always have twelve different things going on. Um, okay, so I got a lot of stuff going on in life. I just not able to make it out Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, I actually had plenty of time to just get out to the woods. So I got up and got out there early. Um, I think I was in the tree at six. Legal shooting light was like. <sighs> Don't quote me, but it was like 645, but even 650, even at that point, it wasn't, 
I mean, it was too dark where I was at too much leaf cover. The moon was pretty bright, but, um, I just couldn't see anything. So it was sometime about seven o'clock or so. Um, I'm so I'm on a property that is, it's private. It is a lottery that I was drawn for locally. And so I have the month of October. And so this episode that we're about to, you know, the, the real good part of the episode, not just us jokers talking is that uh, we got Dan Johnson we'll, and Dan will talk we, in this process. We talk about this property in particular, um, you know, and how you, you would attack a, a property that you only have for a month and arguably not the best month of the season, but leading up, right. It's just to get better and better as the, as the weeks go on, days go on. Anywho, uh, opening day. So I go out and where I, I decided to set up is about 90 acre piece of property um, there's a very, there was a big, big cliff side. I don't want to say it was straight down, but the topography, I mean, it was for where we're at in central Ohio. That was a good drop. And I looked at it the other day, there's about a hundred foot of elevation change and over, I don't know. It was, it was steep. Okay. Now I had been on this property one time prior. And when I went out the, it was very apparent there, there was er- areas with acorns that were just throwing out of the trees not a whole lot of ag on the property nearby there's some corn uh and on neighboring properties but it's got some terrain features it's got cricks it's got some like crp area that's not super developed anyways i i decide i'm gonna hang camera and put some sticks in a platform near these oaks and it didn't take long to get a couple pictures coming through on that camera where the it was always the evening and dawn or you know dusk and dawn but the nothing nothing crazy antler wise there was a couple that i mean in my book that were going to be shooters but i think you know maybe once or twice i saw them and it was they were kind of off in the distance and the camera was not a black gate so the quality of the image is not great um anywho i get out there and i set up and I'm sitting there. Very first thing, Paul, I don't even know if I told you that there was a large, large body deer about 60 yards off. And it was too dark to tell you what it was. All I could see was the body and it was big, um, kind of the silhouette moving through. Uh, it was technically legal shooting light, but it wasn't, you know, and not, you're, there's not, not, you're not doing it. Not yeah. um, but it didn't take long. And all of a sudden there was. I don't know, three, four doe that were moving my direction. And then all of a sudden this squirrely little fork point comes from the other direction and kind of scares them off. And eventually these doe do move back down in. All right. So everybody, if you listen, I am a meat hunter. I am trying to fill my freezer this fall, probably more than ever. It'll sound like I hunt a lot, but I have a very structured kind of when I can go. So I, I don't, my first goal is to fill the freezer and I like, I don't know if it's target panic. I don't know if it's just me being a head case, high strung, whatever it is. I got to get some of these cobwebs knocked off. I can shoot in the backyard all day long and just drill that target. But when the moment comes, I have, I get nervous and I'm not afraid to admit that. I have always been nervous. It doesn't matter if it's a doe or a 200 inch deer, which I've never seen a 200 inch deer. So that might be next level nervous, but, um, pass out, right. Piss myself. Um, the, the, 
Anywho, I gotta, I gotta get this stuff worked out. So I have these dough come in. I'm like, here, we're gonna take this dough. Remember, I'm set up on this kind of bench with this huge drop off. I shoot the dough. Um, the arrow goes right through, and I hear I hear her crash not far away. So this this was a fixed blade broadhead. I think it was an iron will. No, I know it was an iron will. If anybody wants to know, um, the shot was about 21 yards. It's not the best place shot, but it did the job. <coughs> the arrow went right through. I'm I, I got down right, and I went and found her because I had heard her crash. Tagged her. I couldn't find the arrow. But I knew where she went, and she didn't go far. It was Troy Fowler's "Dead Deer Don't Run" to a T, and I didn't find the arrow. And there wasn't a whole lot of blood. But being where this, I also realized when I found her that it was on this cliff, essentially, or a very steep bank. And I shouldn't say cliff. If there's anybody listening that's like from real area where they have topography, they're like, "Dude, you are a total sissy." Like that is not a cliff. But, it's not a cliff. Uh, anywho, I'm like. I look at my watch. It Paul is literally like 7:45. It's still pretty cool out. So I'm like, I'm just gonna climb back up in that tree. I I had all day. Like I had to be home at four o'clock. That was my time, which I know that's like when you should be going back out to the woods. But regardless, so I climb back up in the tree, and I'm sitting there for a little bit. I had myself a little bar. Um, took a leak out of the tree. All of a sudden, that little forky comes back. I'm sitting there eating. A, it's not a chocolate bar, but it's like a, you know, it's called a barbell, right? It's it's chocolate flavor, whatever. This forky is just right in my wind. I've just pissed out of the stand. He has no idea. No idea. So stupid. So stupid. And anyways, he moves on. And then there's more dough. I like I this whole time I feel like there is deer. I can see deer in the distance on the way. And there's so many deer on this property. There's like no understory because they are just browse that down. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm like, and I have another doe come through and I'm like, okay, I'm filling the freezer. I've got time. It's in the morning. It's not like nighttime where I'm going to have to, you know, and I knew I was going to have to take them home and butcher them. If I take this shot and take this deer, you know, we're going to get this out of here. So I go through the process. I do it again. This time I, I, okay, this, this is earth shattering for me, Paul. I used a mechanical. Yeah. I used a severed broadhead. So I know I talked to Nate over at Missouri, uh, woods and water and, and those guys, he's, he's on the severed, bandwagon we've heard things from some other very credible sources that these were high quality you know made of titanium or whatever mechanicals mechanicals so i decided i'd get some and give them a shot so all right we'll give it a shot again i was not super happy with my shot placement but the arrow went right through and probably the mechanical having the larger cutting diameter did enough damage to get the job done. That doe runs the other direction from the first one. I see her go down over the cliff, <laughs> the cliff and it's a little and tiny hill. disappear. All right. So at this point it's like nine, nine thirty in the morning, nine thirty, I think 
Um, I, I'm like, I'm going to get down. I'm not doing any more of this, but I'm, it's so, I mean, whatever I got time. I'll just go, I'll go find them. So I go, I go find the second one, tag her. And then I'm like, all right, let's go back to the truck, regroup, all that kind of stuff. It took me three hours. I looked at it last night on the map. I, I had to drag each one of those deer about 400 yards. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, quarter mile. That's not far. Um, and it took me three hours to get, get them both out because it was up that damn hill. I had my little sled trying to pull them, um, up the hill. It wasn't working. Couldn't get my footing. I ended up like taking my tether, my tree tether, harnessing around and just doing like a yank, take a couple steps, a big pull, big, big pull. And then dude, that about killed me. And I'll, I'll tell you what. So there's, there's a bunch of things I learned in this, um, and, and thought about a, I'm very, I think it's rewarding when you do that and go through all that work and then put the meat in the freezer. Like when you go to eat that, it's, it's just going to taste different, not whatever. Um, but you earned it. Yeah, hard, hard work definitely so <coughs> excuse me the other thing is when we talked to tonk and he's like people please take dose and we need to take more dough to get them out of the system and you know, the overall try. health will be better if health we take hurt it'll be better if we can start knocking that down i see why people don't take dose like in that situation if there's you know me, I work out a lot, five, six days a week. It's very intense. That put me to the test, really put me to the test where I'm, I'm dragging those out. And three hours later, three hour workout of dragging these damn deer out. And by that point, it was getting warmer. It's 80, 80 degrees, whatever. Um, That was a lot of work, man. If you can't, can't pull an ATV right up, which you couldn't on that property or yeah. truck or anything, that's no joke. So yeah. and um, I was busy. I couldn't come help you. My bad. No, it's all good. <laughs> that's um, so bad. It, it was, it was one of those things. Like I, you know, I enjoy that kind of stuff, but I, now I, I mean, I see, I see why people are, are, would be hesitant to take dose. Had I, I mean, even if they hadn't gone down that cliff, it was still going to be uh, a little bit of a drag and stuff. It wouldn't have been near as bad, but uh, going up that hill was, was, was rough. So that made me think a lot about that. And, uh, anywho, got him, got him back. Got them cut up, got them in the freezer, we're on the board, two for two, and yeah. What a week on the board, man. Next week, I got my lottery hunt, so see what that is. Yeah, Yeah, I'm leaving for a a hunt down in southern Ohio, gosh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So there you go. Well, we've got nine fingers today. Nine fingers, Dan Johnson. We talked, so we 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 kind of piggybacked. We wanted to do the hunting controversies with Dan and Tony, and we missed some of that. Dan's got um, really good perspectives uh, on controversial stuff, and he's not he's not afraid to talk about it. And it was a really good talk. And we also did we did a lot of preseason strategy um, preparation that early season hunt that we're all into. Uh, Dan's an exceptional hunter, uh, very accomplished. So yeah, I think you guys are really gonna enjoy this episode. So it was, it was, it was great. It was, uh, it was a ton of fun. So 
months. What else, man? What else we got? I think that's it, dude. I think it's it. Guys, um, one thing I was because I'm an idiot and it's really early. We talked about that deer nuts. Um, I do have a website. Damn it. No, I lost it. I was going to ask you about that, but I, I wasn't sure. Hang on. We're going to edit this out. I don't care if you edit it or not. People know it. we're dumb. dumb. Getdeernuts.com. Getdeernuts.com. What a name, man. Oh, I love it. Love it. But yeah, no, I don't have a whole lot more. I appreciate you guys um, interacting with us. As you guys are, are harvesting stuff, put us put pictures on there. One of the things, you know, we get Dan Johnson, Tony Peterson, some of these big, big name guys on there. That's great. We want to hear from the people in Ohio. So I want to hear your story. I want to hear, yeah. did you set up on the cliff? How was your drag out? Was it public land, private land? Have you been watching it for a while? All that kind of stuff. Like, let's talk about it um, and and help other people. I think we can help each other pick up little tips and tricks. And, you know, I don't Absolutely. know if anybody learned anything from me. Uh, one of the things that you tell you, that little bench was money. The acorns were money, but the cliff and the drag was not. Like, uh, they take that into consideration. I don't know, but there you go. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for for listening to the show. Find us on Go Wild O2 Podcast. Find us on the gram, the.o2.podcast. Check out the website if you feel so inclined, o2podcast.com. Thanks. Take care, everybody. Good luck. So what are we going to do? What are we going to talk about? I don't know. What do you, what, what do you want to talk about? I'm all targeting. Um... We doing that poultry hunt no we're not talking about turkeys damn it we're like 30 seconds into this I just wanted to get it out hey hey let's just let's let's give him just let's just fluff his ego here a second let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about fall turkey for just a little bit all right you have the floor paul go ahead bud don't shoot hens that's all i can say i'm just okay i don't, I don't even i don't even know that's that like that's controversial in and of itself dan not yeah. shooting hens not shooting hens I like turkey hunting yeah. with dogs, which is pretty fun. Looks pretty cool. I did that for the first time last year. Is wild. that legal? Is that legal? It is not in every state, though. So uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Kentucky, I believe. There's, I'm not sure. There's 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 a handful of states that you can hunt turkeys with dogs, which is okay. pretty cool. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty wild way to do it. Okay, it, let me ask now. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you shoot? Are you the guy, kind of guy, yes or no, who sh- shoots birds out of the roost? No. No. no that, is, okay. that is illegal in Ohio. I know that for a fact. Okay. And this is the reason I'm going here, because hunt turkeys with dogs won't shoot them out of a roost. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is, there, is there an ethical debate in there anywhere? With, with shooting, like... Okay, it's illegal to shoot a turkey from the roost, yeah. but a dog can run it down, and and what what do they do? Do they so, fly up into the tree? No, no, no. So so the dogs run the, the dogs run in, and they can smell them like three hundred yards away. So they run in, they break up the flocks, and then when the dogs break up the flocks, they just sit down, and the and the hunters have like those GPS collars on them, on the dogs. So they'll hear you'll hear the dogs barking, and then you go and you sit down where where they where the dog broke the flock up, 
And then, so you sit down the dog, they put them in burlap sacks. You just like the dogs just get in burlap sacks and then you call the turkeys back in and it doesn't work. I mean, it's not like, it's not a given, right? I mean, it's not just like okay. uh, shooting fish in a barrel. Like it's still, it's still a lot of work. It's, there's still a lot of, you know, margin for error. I mean, last year, the first hunt that I did, I mean, they came in, we saw them probably 80 yards away. They never, never got, never came into our call and they all just grouped up and took off. Interesting though. So, yeah, it is. It's a neat way. I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there that are like, Oh my God, savages. Um, a lot of people don't like shooting hens because of the, 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 the population issues throughout the country, which, uh, I think that, I think I'm, I'm probably at that camp now, but that's it. That's all the, all the turkey talk for this deer hunting episode. All I heard was dogs and sacks and I, <laughs> you've hijacked this from the well, start. Now, now I'm over now. I'm done. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for indulging. Me. We had, we had our show there with Tony a couple weeks ago talking about controversial topics. So oh. this is tying right in. Um, and, and I actually, Paul and I have talked about this. All right. So we're going to go a little bit off the cuff and it's going to relate to turkeys, believe it or not. Um, wow. So Dan, we work with, uh, X vision, which is thermal optics. And Paul and I've had this conversation as far as ethics go legality. I don't know. So don't anybody quote me on any of this. I have not talked. I have not looked into this at all. If you roost a bird at night when it's flying up right into that tree, what is the difference between that and using a thermal optic after dark to figure out where they're at in the tree? Which I think it like I'm I'm almost positive that's illegal in most states using thermals to find game species. I could be wrong. I think you're probably right. But I know I, I know like in Tennessee I talked to a game board and he was like, yeah, like, you'll for sure get arrested. I'm not I'm not gonna try it. Yeah, no, I, I I'm not. I mean, Bruce and I guess they don't always gobble. It's uh, in an hour a turkey call at night, but like and I, and I definitely always going to give off a heat signature. I guess I can definitely see it with deer, but they get up and move in the middle of the night, right? That bird, if it should be there the same place at night when you roost it, they shift quite a bit. They'll shift some, but like hundreds of yards or in the no, same tree. Not. Depends. Depends if something bumps them. So the question though is this: the question is, what's the difference between roosting a bird and using thermal imaging at night to locate them. Is that the question? Basically. Uh, well, the way that I roost deer or uh, roost deer, roost uh, turkey. Heard it here. New, new, new strategy, roosting deer. New strategy coming soon uh, <laughs> is you go up at last. you know while they're coming back to and then then you know at least where you're starting off you can hear the fly up into the tree but you may not see them but at least you have a good place to start the morning thermal like like walking into the woods with a pair of thermals i whatever like what these days uh, that's my answer to everything whatever right whatever if there's if there's not a law about it there's gonna be a law about it right i mean everything because there's guys out there now who are driving the roads using thermal imaging to locate deer at night when in iowa it is legal to shine you can you can spotlight deer at night okay no 
You just can't, you can't have a weapon in the car with you. So in my opinion, there's no difference between thermal imaging and shining. Uh, like, I, I don't know, man. It, yeah. And just, that's most exhausted by these types of conversations. Well, we're going to, we're going to wear you out. The, uh, the, the, the deer part is interesting. So I was screwing around with the, the thermal this summer and obviously it's outside of season, not hunting. I'm just looking right. It's really cool. Right. What you can see through those things at night. You see mm-hmm. a rabbit. I've got cool video of a bobcat walking through in the middle of the night, like the deer, uh, when they have the velvet on their antlers, cause it's got blood and stuff running through it. You see their antlers. Now at this time yeah, of the year, awesome. when they're starting to shed, everything's a doe. So yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't even know how you could use it for de- you could, you obviously could locate them at night, but if you don't, I mean, you just couldn't tell if it was a doe or a buck, uh, you know, once they shed that velvet, because it's all, all looks the same. Uh, there's no heat yeah. coming off those antlers. So it's an interesting topic. And I, you know, I think like anything, there's tons of tools and things out there for people to use. They just have to do it smart by the law ethically. Um, yeah. Which brings me to crossbows. So Dan, um, I know you love crossbows <laughs> and uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate on this, right? Because I know. You, okay. And I, I want you to hear, hear out kind of my side uh, of it. And in Ohio, we've got a crossbow, you know, crossbows are legal through the entire archery season. I've heard you talk, you know, people that are on either end of the spectrum, generally young, old females, people can't pull back the bow or they're injured, that kind of thing. or can't get enough draw weight they it it makes sense but maybe not in the entire archery season and um all all that kind of stuff but i know that the in an attempt to get people to hunt more is that not a viable option in 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 trying to recruit and that what is it three r's whatever like bring more people into the the industry and and here's my story, right? I had been upright compound hunting for a while, had a string of bad events or just bad luck or whatever. I just, you know, I went and I got a crossbow. I regained that confidence over a couple of years. Like I know what I'm doing. I can get on some deer. I'm I, all right, I'm ready to go back to the compound. Now I needed those couple of years. And when you look at the whole thing, like my interest in it has gone up a hundredfold. I've spent way too much money on stuff. So the industry is, is enjoying some of that. You know, we got into this podcast and stuff. We've talked to a ton of people. I've learned so much more that little stepping stool for me to regain that confidence and get back into hunting, you know, as, as more than just, I might hit a deer. Like it's, it's just gone totally, you know, it's, it's just blown up for me. So I don't know. I see both sides of it, but like, what do you say? Let's go. All right. So there's a whole bunch of different little things that I got to talk about. here. I don't give a shit. And I, I, I mean this in with all due respect. I don't care what as a non-resident of Ohio, like I, I, if I'm going to come to hunt Ohio, I'm a non-resident. So I have to follow whatever rules and regulations are set in place. But I don't necessarily get the right to vote on any of those rules and regulations, if that makes any sense. So in the state of Ohio, if there is a 
uh, a crossbow. The crossbows are um, allowed in the are count as archery tackle, and you're you're allowed to use them. I don't care. Great, that's great. So I live in Iowa, where crossbows are for kids, the youth season, right? For late season hunts. Um, when you, when and, you and say they're be, when you say they're for kids and late season hunts and stuff, is that by law? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So by law, uh, a kid can use a crossbow during the youth season. A kid, um, I'm not sure if they can use them during the actual archery season as a youth, but I know during the youth specific season, they can use them. If you are, I believe 65 or it's either 60 or 65, I, th- I think you can use a crossbow. All right. If you have a doctor's excuse saying you got a bad shoulder or whatever, you have pain when you draw back a bow, you can get a doctor's uh, a note to get a crossbow, use a crossbow during archery season. Fine with all of that. Um, late season has a, the late season muzzleloader season, season after shotgun season here in Iowa. Then it goes into what we call the, the, uh, the late season or the primitive weapon season. A lot of people call it the late, late muzzleloader, but you can use a bow, you can use a crossbow, you can use a muzzleloader in, in that late season. And so it's a primitive weapons tag. Um, using them. It's who's pushing them. So right now in the state of Iowa, there are there is legislation being pushed by crossbow manufacturers to politicians and the and then they're lobbying, they, they are paying lobbyists to lobby our politicians here in Iowa to get a crossbow season because they know that by their calculations, if this passes, they're going to make this much money. Okay. It has nothing to do with whether or not the natural resource needs another weapon to be introduced during the archery season. It has nothing to do with if the hunters in the state of Iowa are asking for this. It has everything to do for, uh, I guess you would call it special interest groups, right? And so these these crossbow manufacturers are hiring lobbyists to try to get uh, this passed in every state, okay? And as a as a resident of Iowa, I don't want that, and and that is uh, I I am I am a, a believer. And take this how you want to take it, that a crossbow is not archery. That, that's my opinion. I don't care if you use one at all. Iowa offers the ability to use uh, a crossbow in the late season. But I just don't feel that it belongs in the, uh, in the, in the archery season. There you go. What's did the- I rant <clears throat> or did I, did, I, did I dodge the question? Did I answer it? No, I think... It- there's no answer. Right. And yeah. uh, it's there's a lot of opinions and thoughts when mm-hmm. I look at Ohio and I don't know. I don't know enough about Iowa, uh, but like we have a lot of deer. So for us to allow that crossbow, I don't have any problem if it means it gets somebody's confidence up or it allows, uh, you know, yeah. somebody, you know, to take their first, you know, animal or whatever. I don't even care if they take a big one. Right. Like if that's on their 
what they want to do like we have enough deer here we just got and it was last week paul or a couple weeks ago we had mike tonkovich on he's our state deer biologist like he's pleading people to take more does because we have so many deer so um i don't i don't i don't know until until it's a point where it's like we all right we need to start back in that when were crossbows introduced into ohio I've, you guys, yeah, I want to say it was like that? I want to say it was like mid '90s months. We've we've talked with someone about that. No idea. Yeah, I think it was mid '90s. I'm looking something up real quick. On. Okay. So I think it's 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 definitely a huge conversation uh, over here. I mean, and maybe it hasn't helped. Like if if you if they've been around for 30 years and we still have way too many deer and not enough hunters and all that kind of stuff, you know, that maybe isn't the answer. But if you take them out, I wonder. I would like to know that, you know, how many deer are taken with a crossbow every year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's um, ways to figure that out. We should have been more prepared. Here, here's, here's a statistic from, and I'll reference Ohio, the Ohio country journal. I don't know if that is a, fake news. Uh, it's fake news. No, I'm just joking. I'm sorry. Ohio oh, country I'm, journal. Um, if, if that offended you. Yeah, well, anyway, according to the uh, the Ohio's Country Journal, during the 2020-21 deer season, 48% of deer were taken with archery equipment. Now, I, I'm guessing that that including 30, okay, here we go, including 33% using a crossbow and 15% using a vertical bow. Okay, so... 33% of that, or, uh, no, that means like 48% of all deer, 48% yeah. of all deer were taken with archery equipment of that 48%. This doesn't make sense that the math is off on this because it wouldn't be 33% and 15% because that equals 48%. So that would so, be the way that I'm, you're reading that to me, it sounds like 33% of all deer were taken with a crossbow. Uh, uh, 33 Yes, 33% of all deer were taken with a crossbow and 15 using a vertical bow. Okay, so obviously more people are going to go to crossbows. Now, another another question, and I don't know if this is the direction that you want to take it, that needs to be asked is, you know, we hear, we hear this th- R3 all the time, right? We got to get new hunters in. We got to get new hunters in. But where are they going to hunt is my question, right? Because we're coming into a time where I would say that the average number of acres that a single hunter has access to is more acres by himself then it, it has been, and that number continues to go up. It, that's, that's an assumption on my point. That's a guess. As more people are buying land strictly for deer hunting, they are displacing all of these hunters, uh, other hunters. They're locking it up for themselves only, right? And it's depl- displacing other hunters. And I'll talk to I- in Iowa specifically that they all get pushed to public and then public is overflowed, you know, is, is overflowed or whatever the word is, um, has too many hunters on it now because Iowa only has less than 2% of, of its total land mass is public 
hunting, or I would it is it's public land. Some of that public land you can't hunt because it's that counts like state parks and boat landings and, and things like that. So the question is, you know, you mentioned, hey, it's a good idea to use a crossbow to get people into hunting. I don't know if anybody out there, other than using the the hey, we need more voters out there. Hey, we need as many people because you know that the anti-hunters, there's millions and millions and millions of them, and, and there's not as many hunters right now. Do we really need more hunters? That's the question. Can can the landscape support more hunters, or is it just going to crowd everybody else? Right. And and so I think I think that's a, a valid question that a lot of people don't talk about well i think ohio i mean as far as our public land goes we're very gonna we're gonna be very similar to you guys like we don't have much like what is it paul two and a half percent of all uh, four four point eight is that that's exactly. public but then how much of that's hunting about about half of that right yeah probably yes so yeah, i think but... it's like two and a half percent of all the land is actually huntable i mean i don't i don't know I, I feel like Ohio does a pretty good job. We do have, we have a lot of lotteries and like I won one this year, Paul won one. And what do you have two weeks at that one? Yeah. And I've got a week at mine. Yep. Right. And they're all over the state. It's not just one area or the other. Mine's a Metro park. It should be like real good. Everything I'm hearing. I only have it for a week, but it's definitely a sweet opportunity and I'm going to try to take advantage of it as much as I can. It's right during the October lull. So, I mean, probably nothing happening, but, um, you know, dang it. You are, you are tired. I was just trying to get you fired up, man. And you're just like sitting there, <laughs> letting it go. Well, right? I, I'm, I'm just biting my tongue. <laughs> I just bite my tongue. Like, <laughs> well, the moon's not going to be right either. So no, moon, um, moon phase, probably not going to be wearing the right camouflage. Right. I you know, have, I'm not, I don't have all my specter. I have to get all the rest, rest of that figured out, but, um, yeah. No, so I, I don't know. I feel like there's a ton of room for for hunters. We have, or like most big cities, uh, population in the in the uh, urban areas of the deer is just ridiculous. And and so a lot of these cities are starting to figure out programs and stuff to help manage that. But um, I don't know. Do you think we all have the the same type of the leasing issues and stuff that yes. Nancy and Iowa? Without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, you drive, you I, I would bet that you, you went through that. You went through all of that way before Iowa even went through all of that. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're pretty liberal with our, with our out-of-state licenses. You know, anyone mm -hmm. can come in. Cause it's over the counter, deer, right? Buy a deer tag over, you know, over the counter. And, you know, if you drive around in certain areas and, and especially Southern Ohio, I mean, what was it? Base camp leasing, I think is the name of the company. And I'm, I'm not hating on anyone. Right. But they have these yellow signs that they put up when they lease a property and they're everywhere, you know, 15 years ago, that wasn't, you know, you might see three or four properties, but now it's just like, it's one after the other one after the other. Um, and I, you know, you've, you've got more outfitters and I'm saying any of this is a bad thing, right? You've, you've got more outfitters, you've got more, uh, you know, out of state hunters. I mean, that's, what's that's the right. Heavy as the crown, right, Dan. I mean, you're, when you're a big buck state, you're going to have people coming from out of state. And I guess that's, it's good and bad, right? And it's never going to stop because the the revenue is too great. And 
I mean, you, you, you talk about like, and this is, I'm going to get, I'm going to just real quick on the, on the R3, you talk about like hunting hunters, right? I mean, the popularity of hunting is falling off of a cliff in this country and it's been doing that for a long time. And like, here, so here's, here's the numbers in the state of Ohio. I'm going to go a 10 year gaps, so 2011, 2012. These are all hunting licenses, spring and fall. 423,990 fast forward to 2022 348,144 that was the number of hunting licenses sold in the state so that's the drop and and I'm sure that not all states have had that precipitous of a drop but when we talk about hunting as conservation and how conservation North American model of wildlife conservation is funded in the state it's directly related to the sale of hunting licenses and all the trappings right all the things that come with that and that's based off of like the the <laughs> I followed your cop. <laughs> your camera followed your cop. Keep talking. I'm sorry I'll that threw it. me out. <laughs> but so all of that, you know, when 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 you talk about Pittman Robertson dollars, the windfall profits or you know windfall excess tax from the federal government coming down, we're talking billions of dollars over you know the 75 years that it's been around. The less people that use that resource and that participate in hunting, that directly relates the amount the amount of money that that our state governments get to use for conservation work. So, you know, what's the fine line? I don't know. I'm not, I I can't answer that. I'm definitely not smart enough. Um, But I think when, when we start as, as hunters, when we start talking about, we need, we need fewer hunters. I think there's a serious, serious issue on the back end of that. If we cut the number of hunters in half and the funding that would drop from that, like you, I mean, this, that's a serious problem. And I don't think you, you don't always get what you, or, you you know, I don't know what the saying is. Oh yeah. You know, there, there are repercussions blowback that that we don't that you know are unforeseen i guess but and it's so um oh shoot i just lost my train of thought but here, I, here, I i think it's like this this cycle that it's just out of i hate this internet or said you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get gets passed on to his children or or he dies it gets passed down to his children they either sell it or you know could hopefully it's someone local and someone who lives on it and takes care of it or the other thing is they keep it and they have an outfitter run hunts on it or they lease it to another hunter well meanwhile the old man uh had four or five other hunters on it who had permission to hunt they all get kicked off Right. And so where do they have to go? Well, in an area like Southern Iowa, they don't have anywhere to go other than public and public is already smashed. Right. And, and, and so we have that aspect of it. If you, I, I feel like, again, whether you're leasing, whether you go to an outfitter, whether you are um, a, a landowner, you, you come into an area in any state, you buy a chunk of land and it displaces, if you're the only person hunting it, but it displaced two hunters, right? It, it's just this, where are people going to hunt if we are taking larger sections of land to take up for ourselves, right? And, and I honestly think it's, it's the big buck craze, right? Everybody wants to shoot a big buck. How do you shoot a big buck? You kick off other hunters and you pass small deer, 
right? And then, and then you yourself and other like, like you will, you'll benefit from that. You change everything. And so I just, I hate to say it, but I just feel like it's going to, it's everything that we are currently doing in the hunting community and in the hunting industry is leading us to uh, down a very bad road in along with those statistics that you mentioned about um, drops of hunting licenses, because as leases go up, as outfitting prices go up, people are and and uh, private land is gobbled up. Uh, permission goes out the door in certain areas. They go to they're going to give it a try on public for a little bit. Then they're going to find out that hunting public is tough and then they're going to give up. Right. And so so I look at it as more of a of an access. We need to find farmers who are willing to do walk in programs. We you know, over, you know, over outfitting and leasing, um, you know, co- uh, what's that called? A uh, conservation easement where, you know, people won't build like uh, like behind my house right now. There is a, a giant field. It's going to get developed at some point in time in, into a housing development. Uh, put it in a conservation easement. Allow hunters to go hunt it, right? And so I think that the big answer to try to get tags up is to get uh, access up and finding ways to do that. And also, man, I don't know. The big buck thing is it's a big deal, and uh, the way that we market in this industry. And the way that we are so focused on antler size over experience, unfortunately, it's kill. I, I feel it's just a slow. It's a slow death. Yeah. So it's, it's going to break the back of the of the of the hunting model in this country, without a doubt. Yeah. And and you're yeah. getting you're seeing some of that shit move into the turkey world, which makes me sick. Uh, yeah. And I and I fight it every every chance that I get, but I'm not going to fight it here. But yeah, man, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's opportunity and it's experience. That's the, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, those are the two main, I, I guess, benefits and, you know, the detractor there, I guess, but man, it's, it's, um, so you, you wanted to say something. Well, Dan, I think you, you covered a couple of things there. So part of that, the idea of, you know, generational farms being sold off urban sprawl, right? We see it all yeah. the time. Columbus is booming. Uh, a lot of these cities are booming where they just keep moving out and, and it is, and, you know, the seventh generation kid that has no interest in farming or just looking for the paycheck. Like, I don't know. That's like a whole nother topic. I think. Yeah. When you talk about the big buck craze in the hunting community, do you consider yourself part of that problem? Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I, I can't, I can't lie. Like I love, I love big antler deer. Uh, I love chasing big mature whitetails. Um, and I know that the reason Iowa is the way is it is like, like I'm, I am a product of my environment, born and raised in Iowa. I live in Iowa and I get to see the benefit from all of that. Right. And so that is why I don't want anybody messing with our rules and regulations, adding additional deer seasons, adding, um, adding any seasons, adding crossbows, adding air guns, um, giving non-residents, like non-resident landowners, 
the ability to hunt every single year and skip out on the the non-resident draw, that would instantly, I mean, I'm talking overnight, the land prices in Iowa would skyrocket. And, and it's all south of Interstate 80. It's all uh, uh, because a majority of the, the, the Mecca of Iowa is south of Interstate 80. Everything north is all egg. And so the, there's still pockets of good deer hunting up there, but there's certain parts of the state where you can see five straight miles standing on the ground because it's so flat and it's so barren because of it's just all egg fields. You'll see a, a hog confinement or something like that in the distance, but that's it. Right. And so and so we're taking a whole state. Now we're cutting it in half. And then we're cutting it in half and then we're cutting it in half. And it just, and to answer your question about the, the big buck craze, I, 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 I think I'm part of the problem, but I also think that the message that I spread is celebrating all deer hunting and not just big bucks, right? Big bucks, dude. From a business standpoint, they get attention, they they get downloads, and how do I make my money? I sell advertising. And so the more downloads that I can generate, the more advertising that I can sell, the larger the my paycheck is based off of that. And so, yeah, that helps. It definitely helps. But I also like to celebrate the guys who go out for the first time ever and shoot a spike or a doe or some, a kid's hunt or something like that. And, and I know, I, I think in, in a way, all hunting media is part of the problem. If I had, if I, if, if I was to cast a very vague, broad shadow on everything, I think that all hunting media in some way, shape or form is negative towards the, the overall goal. But there's also really good messages that can be shared and stories and experiences that can be shared in that as well. And so it, it, it's honestly something that I think about every day. No, I think you're and you're right. And it's, it, it goes back to the idea of sex sells, right? Big bucks are sexy. Uh-huh. They don't put little spikes on the front of the, the magazines or any of that no. kind of stuff. It's the big ones. No. It's it's what people and, and I. I didn't mean to direct that as you being part of the problem. We're part of the problem. I mean, who, who do we have on? We, we bring a lot of times we bring guys on that know how to find where big deer are and, and we want to talk about it and figure that out. No, we try to balance it out too and, and get, you know, other things, uh, you know, other people on to mm-hmm. talk about doe population, all this kind of stuff, but definitely a sex sells type of, uh, yep. industry. It's just, I am shooting the first forky that walks by my tree saddle. We know done if i can be done deer hunting dan by 9 a.m on the opening <laughs> day deer on the ground i'm gonna be happy that's a dan turkey hunt so yeah. the same way you yeah. guys are like the same th- i'm gonna brothers. text you and be like this shit's easy i'm gonna have a little yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> just sitting yeah. Yeah. just sitting you're gonna be you're gonna be standing two feet behind it two or three feet behind it with yeah. your arm really stretched out yep with a, like right. a fisheye lens on your camera uh, so, but, but let's, let's, um, I got this controlled hunt again, yeah. leap that out, leap the controlled hunt part out. Um, Bleep. so it's in, it's in, uh, it's in a, a river County. 
it's a property that the state just got access to. They bought in 2019. It opened up to hunting. I believe 2021 was the first hunting season it was open to. So it's, it's a limited draw. This is a big buck county. It's 2,900 acres. There's going to be four other people on this property, from my understanding. Could be more. but they, they, So they could bring, they could bring a guy. Um, so there could be eight people at any time I've had, I've, I, I, it's, I've gone down once I put trail cameras out. Dan, um, you want to guess what he sent me pictures of from his trail cams? One guess. A couple gobblers. Dumbass bird. Yep. Yeah, a couple gobblers. So, but I, I've gotten, I've gotten three, three bucks on there. I've one, one I would, I would say is like, uh, you know, that, that, that like what, three and a half years old. Like he's a good deer not super huge but like you know he he's going to be good but there are like there are really big deer in this area but here's the thing i get 10 days and it's the well i get 14 days i get the first 14 days of the season which is not ideal right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of ag on this property it's super hilly so i've 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 wanted to take this approach and it hasn't really worked out because it's three hours from my house right it's an ordeal to get there um where you know that that quote from Abraham Lincoln, where he said that if I had eight hours to cut down a tree, I'd prepare, I'd sharpen my axe for six hours. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to really be prepared and and kind of piggyback off that statement. You you put a reel out on Instagram today that I thought was kind of fitting for me. Um, you know, someone asked, well, how do I how do I kill a deer? You know, in the beginning of the season, and you're like, well, don't hunt because obviously you're not prepared. If you're asking me how to do it, you're not prepared. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really interesting perspective. So talk about, talk about being prepared for the beginning of the season, which I mean, it's, we're four days away from the opener here. You ain't prepared. You're not getting done right between now and Saturday months. Yeah. I just, I, I'll be honest. I want everybody and I hate to t- use the, your platform to go promote my platform, but I uh, just recorded a podcast. It's going to come out tomorrow i don't know when this episode's going to launch but it's going to come out on wednesday and i i i interviewed a guy who killed a buck on opening night i think it was opening night if it wasn't opening night it was like two days later anyway i think i think it was opening night though here's what this guy knew about this buck he knew where he was betting he had him on trail camera like five out of every seven days so he knew where he was going. He knew he was coming to this green patch of beans. He um, he knew that there was some acorns mixed in there that some nights he felt that this buck wasn't, the nights that he wasn't walking in front of his trail camera, he was going to an acorn uh, tree somewhere, an oak tree somewhere, then he's hitting the beans and then coming back in the morning. So this guy had this deer pegged. He also had two additional years of information on this particular buck, right? So he knew everything about this deer. And he knew that he needed a south wind to get into the tree stand and make it happen. And so it's a book at that point. It's it's an instruction manual laid out before you, right? But research, years of uh, uh, annual patterns, like all these things matter. When it comes to trying to shoot a deer early season, especially you either have to be really close to their bedroom or find a food source that they're coming to in daylight. 
And so the people who are very successful in uh, the early season are people who are on top of all of that stuff. Me, I don't, I don't do any of that quite yet. I have my trail cameras out right now so that when I get to that late October timeframe and I go to check my trail cameras, I can start putting the pieces of the puzzle together then and, and try to attack them during the pre-rut. But there's the guys who are hunting the pre-rut, the rut, they can get away with a little bit more pressure is not as, uh, I don't feel anyway, like the closer you get to rut you make into a property uh, public private whatever and the deer will accept it because they're horny right and so i feel like yeah that you, you you have to be on point and know a lot of things to to knock down a deer opening week months you got a lot of a lot of intel this year cameras out you've got a lot, of, a lot of spots spots pegged so so dan if you if you've got moderate information on on some deer that you're you're willing to harvest or kill across your property are you going to go out and and risk blowing something up or are you just like meh i'll see you in a i'm not anti i'm not anti early season of course i am right right place right time gotcha. and right now all my trail cameras are telling me is nocturnal movement Okay. Uh, inconsistent, inconsistent movement. Right. And so I know that when, uh, you know, late October, early November, when the deer are on their feet and they start going into this pre-rut chase where they're, they're checking scrapes, they're making sign, they're, they're getting downwind, they're starting to scent check doe groups. They're going to be going through specific terrain features to do that. And that's where I focus my energy is on these specific terrain features and how to access access them. Yes, by by pure luck, I could go in there and run into them some night uh, in the early season, but I would rather I would rather have deer movement not just like fifteen minutes a day. I would rather have like multiple hours worth of deer movement every day. And you get that the later into the season you get before the rut. So uh, kind of piggybacking on Paul's question. Um, I've got a property. I have it essentially a lottery. I, I have one month to hunt it, Dan. Okay. And it is the month of October. Okay. So obviously it'll, things should get in theory better as the month goes on. I went out there today. I first time I had access to it was this week. Um, I hung a camera. I mean, I picked a spot, tried to use all my little tidbits picked up along the way. There's acorns falling. There's paths galore. It, I swear it's the freaking deer, you know, porta potty. There's just piles of shit everywhere. Um, so I put it up in a, in a tree that I, I mean, all signs indicate this is going to be good, right? Um, thermal should be good wind direction stuff i go out there let's say i go out this weekend it's you know the first time i get out there and i have no luck i know your farms that you hunt generally are are pretty you got a pretty good handle on them but at what point do you move off of something like that i don't want to be going to the same stand every time um just you know and, and burn it out 
I only have a month though. And the property, I, I don't know how many acres it is. It's decent size. I mean, we'll call it a hundred, 150, but like, are you the only person who's hunting it? You know, I don't know that a hundred percent. Okay. Um, but I'm trying to find out. Um, and it's one of those things like, okay, this looks really good. So I just pick a bad day. I, I did hang in camera. So hopefully I have a little bit of, of an idea of what's moving through there uh, leading up. But if it doesn't work, if it's not a good spot, is it something where you're like, all right, we're going to move. We're going to try to find another one and hang and hunt here. Um, maybe come back to that one later in the month as things ramp up or do you sit it a few times, you know, you don't just go one and done. Right. Do you, I don't know. What do you think? Man, a good spot is a good spot and a good spot can be a really good spot if you have good access to it. And so the better the access, the more you can hunt that, that, um, that stand location. Uh, for example, I have, I had, I lost this farm but I was able to come off to a field edge and drop down to a low point in this draw and walk like 200, 300 yards straight into the timber in the lowest point possible. Then I would take a hard left turn 90 degrees, walk straight up a hill and get to a tree stand that had a, uh, that was into a bedding area. The wind would blow out of the West. The thermals would hit. And I my scent just went straight up and I would drop uh, milkweed or something like that. And it would just go straight up in the air. And it was a lot tight set. Now, I could even hunt that property on a on a south, uh, a west, a northwest, a southwest, any west. If I came out of the north or the south, it started getting a little tricky and iffy. But west southwest northwest and uh the reason i i could hunt that stand so many times throughout the year and it was good it produced deer movement every single day and it just like it, sometimes it just wasn't the right a lot of stand location as good as it was now if i had to walk through that bedding area to get to it it wouldn't be near as good right and so if you're if your access route to that location do you have access do you have access routes on multiple wind locations or is it a stand that is just one wind specific i need to sit and study it a little bit the access seems really good right okay essentially it's like a mode path back through this area it's 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 like crp but it's not super thick crp even if i had to walk through it um and i think i you know depending on which way i come in i got a parking spot like it's it seems to be really good um i also didn't muck around in the property too much like what i i had an idea of where i wanted to go and this is probably one of my problems is i'm not super open-minded to like once i see something i'm, I'm honed in on it uh, and yeah. I can say, we'll talk about this later, but, I, um, because I like when you read my maps and then tell me where to go and I don't go there and then I see a big <laughs> buck walk through there. Uh, but the, you know, it's one of those things like I didn't want to screw up everything out there in case I have to move. Once I found this yeah. one spot and I was just like, this is good. I try to, I've heard Mark and, and some of the other people talk about, you know, find a spot and then find the tree. I made sure to do that today. Don't just find a tree that looks nice. Like. Make sure that there's a you know a good portion of things that 
leads you to believe that area is good. And I don't know. I'll, you know, I, mean, I hopefully in a week from now, I'm sitting here with, uh, you know, a nice big, big deer down for you. But your trail, your trail cameras are going to tell you a lot. I feel, I feel if that trail camera is in the right spot coming through, uh, whatever, whatever reasons that you're, you put your tree stand there, your trail camera is going to tell you a lot. Uh, yeah. Ohio, uh, or did you throw out some corn at all? It's, I don't think it's on. Uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm allowed on that. That on property. That property. They yeah, they don't let you. I oh, okay. No, so it's no baiting on that property. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you can't do that. Which okay. Um. So if so, if that's not the case, then your trail camera should tell you a lot. And if there's something moving around in there, the next time you like, I wouldn't recommend going in and checking that trail camera, uh, just to check that trail camera. I would recommend going in and hunting it and checking the trail camera at the same time. It's a cell and, cam, so it'll whatever. Oh, but, okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's it, pretty, so, so what's it telling you so far? Well, it's been there for about six hours, so not much. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll right. know. Well, it's going to tell you something. Now, one thing I did do out there, and this is, um, oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Bringing in turkeys into this conversation. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Dan, I'm an idiot. Okay. I don't know much about turkeys, but I know when you're out and you're, you're looking for them, if you find big piles of, you know, where they're scratching, you know, they're out digging for whatever food. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I was at looking at what could have been a scrape today, or maybe it was turkey scratching. I don't know. Uh, was I have, there a footprint in it? It's been pretty dry here lately, so there's not a whole lot of um a lot of uh, hoof prints around anywhere there was an area that looked like maybe it could have been a hoof that had run through i don't know man i am so bad at finding scrapes i hear you guys talk about finding scrapes or making mock scrapes now i did make my own mock scrape by that camera so we'll see how that works out but how do you find how do you find scrapes dan in the woods (laughs) walk with your head down well first off you have to know what a scrape is and what it looks like i would strongly recommend going to google first and, this is like, and this getting is like, caught up in the bare basics it's like a like a 15 year old boy trying to figure out the female anatomy like you need to... <laughs> it's like one of those books that kids have where it's like you open it up and you read a sentence and anytime there's a picture you push that picture so it's like johnny got into the car and then they have to push the car emoji beep beep and it, so this is a scrape a scrape is uh, that's what you need to do do you are you an office fan am i an office man office fan like do you ever watch the office oh the office yeah i've seen those you you seen the one where where dwight goes up to toby and he's like where's the clitoris and like (laughs) that's what i'm like i feel like i'm asking you right now yes paul i just took it there you know but so so let's hold hands yes i'll 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 show you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i just Come i have child. <laughs> i have found scrapes in the woods right we'll go bring us back okay right. i have found okay. them um from time to time but like i'm walking around this today and i'm just like instead of just like grid searching or whatever trying to find one of these like what what am i looking for just walk down the paths or looking for that low-hanging um licking branch or or 
and I tried that and I just didn't really find a whole lot. And I'm so it's either there's no bucks out there, which is probably not true, or I'm an idiot, more likely true. Right. So we are just coming out of velvet, right? So velvet's probably, I mean, there's there's still deer, I would say as early as last week that were still in velvet. Okay. So I would say that started now is when rubs and scrapes are really start going to start to pick up and you're going to start noticing them more now that these deer are getting hard horn. And so here's what helped me. And it's, it, it's going to seem simple and crazy, but it's hard to do, especially when you are like, I don't know, I only speaking from my experience and that would be a busy person, three kids, right? Job, uh, you know, just activities up the ass. And so get in there. And if you think you found a scrape, slow down. If you think you found a rub, slow down and stop and say, why did this deer rub this tree? All right. Stand where that, that scrape is, or that rub is, and just look around, look at the flow of the land. Knowing what you know about how deer use their nose to work through an area, say to yourself, just hypothetical situations, imagine something in your head, imagine a deer coming out of this bottom or off of this point, coming down on, I guess, what you would call the military crest and walking it to a food source. Oh, he stopped here because this is what he did. He was bedded on this point. We're in this thicket up here. And then he's going to come up to this ag field or this acorn tree. And he stopped here and he laid a scrape. Or maybe he's crossing from the other ridge. But he, you know, knowing what I know about deer, they don't go straight down and straight up, right? They they use the terrain in their favor to catch all the scent they possibly can. And so I would just recommend really slowing down and observing as much about the property in the surrounding area as possible. Slowing down. I have trouble with that, but I need to do that in a lot of things in life. Well, that makes sense. Um, The only other question I had for you, Dan, Mr. Emperor, the, uh, do we give deer away too much credit? And here's my thing. I, uh, I'm trying my hand in trapping, right? I got a whole (laughs) bunch of coyotes right through my backyard. Am I, and I have a uh, trail cam back back there, right by where I, I was setting this trap the other day. I set the trap, dug in the dirt, all that kind of stuff. Nine minutes, Dan, nine minutes, there was a doe in there. Not in the mm-hmm. trap, but right there. I'm like, yeah, all this stuff we talk about, access and scent control and wind direction, nine minutes. And I know it's a doe, okay? It's not a, a freaking booner, but... What the heck? I don't know. Here's what I'll say is they can't make the decisions, obviously, that we can make. They can make decisions like, if I'm scared, I should run. If I'm horny, I should breed. If I'm hungry, I should eat. If I'm thirsty, I should, you know, drink, right? But they have thousands and thousands of years of evolution and genetic coding in their body that is that tells them every single day in, in the most binary way possible 
right? If this, then this, right? If I smell danger, then I run. If I, you know, and I think a lot of this, this is a theory that I have kind of gathered. It's just a theory. And it, uh, I wrote an article about it, man, several years ago about the potency of scent. And if I, let's say I'm in the, if I'm 20 yards from a deer and he walks, this deer walks downwind of me, catches all of my scent, boom, gone, right? But if I'm 200 yards away, my scent has had the, uh, has had a lot of dilution, right? Uh, I think that's the, the word I'm looking for, where it dilutes. And it just becomes less potent and less potent and less potent. So distance from, from me to that deer plays a huge role. And then also time. So if I'm walking through the woods and then a deer walks through the woods a couple hours later, my scent has diluted to the point where uh, it's probably not perceived as such a huge threat, right? They can, it's almost like they can tell time and distance based off potency. I don't have you ever been in a tree and a deer's gotten downwind and it stopped dead in its tracks and then turned around and walked the other way? It got every ounce of you in his nose. And then there's other times where they'll put their head up, their sniff. They know something's they know something's not right. And they'll they'll sniff and they'll sniff, but they're not getting what they want. Uh, they're not getting like this all of a sudden danger. Maybe your thermals are pulling up a little bit and maybe you're, they're just getting a very, very small amount of you. And then they just keep going through. Right. So man, they are designed to live in the environments that they like they're they've evolved to be such, so good at living in so many different places and they do, you know, they do that by surviving all these different environments. And I, I want to say we, we give them too much credit, but to their credit, we, they, they are built perfectly to survive in the environments that we only visit a little bit of time throughout an entire year. So they're incredible. If, if that if if that means anything. Everything that comes out of your mouth means something, Dan. <laughs> Dan, I have one more one more question. Um, would you take a frontal shot on a buck with an airbone? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent Um, if it's from the ground, yes. If it is from a tree stand and he's 10, 20 yards, yes. Anything past that, probably not. I'd probably have to wait until he uh um gave me got closer or gave me a broadside shot but 2021 was a yeah 2021 was a snort wheezed him in and he was at 20 he was getting ready to step out of this maple tree i was at full draw he took a hard right walked right to me with his head up shot him right in his chest and he took two hops and died and so Yes, I am a huge uh, advocate. Now you got to know what you're doing, right? You got to be a good shot. You have to know angles a little bit, right? This deer was above me, 
or um, he was on the uphill slope of where I was at. If he was on the downhill slope and, and facing towards me, his head would have been in the way. And so I wouldn't have been able to take that shot, but he was walking down. So he, he wasn't, I, I was at about 18 feet in the air, 15 to 18 feet. And he was probably 10 feet lower than my tree stand. So there was five feet of incline where he was at. And so his head was up and I saw white and I saw his chest and I buried it right in him. Wow. Have you seen the video the the NDA did with the, with the 3d printed deer where they could, they could take the arrow and they had like channels through the deer and, and they could stick the arrow through to show hunters where like you know if you've got you know quartering two or straight on or quartering away mm-hmm. or broadside and, and where the arrow would go have you ever seen that video i have not fast fascinating i'll have to go check fascinating it out. and then they, they would turn it around and then on the on they would you know on the back side of the deer it was just organs and ribs mm-hmm. and yep. where it was it was really neat and that's what you're talking about knowing angles like yeah yeah and that's that was very i think that was, was very well done video but yeah, you'll check yeah. that out. It's pretty neat. I mean, if, if a deer's quartering away from you and you hit him back and you think, oh shit, I just got liver maybe. Well, you got to know that you probably got one lung coming out the backside. If he's coming towards you in your back, if he's quartered to you and he's back and you hit back, then you got straight guts, right? Yeah. And so it, it's important to know those types of things when you take, when you take your shots. So. Cool. Monty, you got anything else? No, not right now. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm ready to go to bed. Are you going to shotgun hunt this year? You gonna do? You, do you do that second season? Me? Yeah. No, I don't. I no. I don't shotgun hunt. Um, I eventually I will once the kids start to get old enough. Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I don't shotgun hunt. Really what I like to do, especially on this new farm that I have, is let everybody else shotgun hunt. And then I'll come in there late season when the deer are just stacked on this farm and then try to put myself in position for a late season deer. Good stuff. Because you guys get two two residents, you get two tags. Is that how that works? Yeah. So I get one archery buck and then one firearm buck. But if I use that firearm tag in the late season, it's a primitive weapons tag. So I can use my bow for that as well. Gotcha. Good deal. Yep. Dan, thanks for your time, man. Good luck. Uh, anyway, when would you guys open up? October 1st in Iowa. Man, good luck on Sunday. You want to plug yep. your plug your stuff, your feeds, whatever. Everybody knows you. You're, you're special. Yeah, I don't. All I'll say is this. I will say. The O2 podcast here, along with, I mean, all the other podcasts that are on the Sportsman's Empire Network, man, I'm very happy with the group that we've kind of, that we've become, the community that we've kind of created. And I will put the content coming out of the Sportsman's Empire up against any other outdoor podcast platform any other podcast outdoor podcast period in this space they were we're i feel we are killing it now i may be a little biased but 
dude, there's so much good content on the network and I yeah. feel people, people need to check it out. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Good stuff. Dan, appreciate you, man. Hey, good luck this season, guys. Yep. Yeah, you too. Thank you.